0: Well, we're starting a new series for December called Be christ must to the World. Uh, I realize the font looks uh, different because it's supposed to emphasize the most important part. And that's what church should be about. And before we even launch into that, I just want to remind you of that, that church is not an event. <clears throat> church is not even the building. From the beginning, when Christ called out the church, he called people. We are the church. And this whole thing that we do is to point towards Him and to draw close to Him and to each other. It's about uh, not a denomination. It's not about a location. There are many other churches all over the planet that are meeting together with the fellowship of those that are believers in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important. And some of you this morning, Christmas isn't a happy time. You've lost loved ones. You, you think about those that have gone on before or uh, your children have moved away. And, and yet... I want to remind you that you have a family called the church, and the best part about the family called the church is it's the one you get to pick, right? You didn't get to pick the family you're in, right? Maybe you got a wacko family, and you didn't get to pick that. You just got born into it, but guess what? You get to pick the church family that you want to be part of, right? And so we should be thankful for that, and you may say, well, this isn't the church I'd pick. Well, that's your loss. We're a great group of people, and we're imperfect, but... We're going to love Jesus Christ, and we're going to do our best to love each other. And just like family, that doesn't always mean it's smooth sailing. Family is complicated, but what it does mean is that when we focus on him, he has a promise. Did you know this? It says that when he is lifted up, he draws all of us to himself. See, the problem is when we pull him down and we, we lift us up, then it's a problem because it pushes us all away. And it's the opposite. It's counterintuitive, but if we lift him up in our in our praise, in our worship, in our lives, in our prayer, in our relationships with each other, then it'll actually draw us closer together. And that's what I hope that this series does as well. It's about community. It's about relationship, uh, first of all, with God, because without Him, we're a mess. And you may not think you're a mess. You may think you got it all together, but you're lying to yourself. You need to repent of lying and just come clean and just realize you need Him and you need other people in your life. And yes, people are challenging, especially this time of year, right? where everything gets ramped up, we get the stress and the pressure and, and performance and all that stuff. But I, I hope to take that off of you this morning and help you realize that it is about relationship, first of all, with Him. Make sure you've got a great, rock-solid relationship with Jesus Christ. Follow Him as best as you can, and then He will draw you into a group of believers and then make those relationships strong and healthy. And we need the people around us for accountability, for our gifts to operate, all of those things. And so, I just want to remind you of that when we talk about this, of being Christmas to the world. You see, when Jesus came, people have really messed this up over the ages, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody or any movement or any of that stuff, but we as human beings, we can never achieve the perfection that Jesus uh, came for. And, and, And I want to tell you a couple reasons why he didn't come. He didn't come for politics. He didn't come for a revolution. He didn't come to make a point. <laughs> he didn't come to start a movement. Now, it became a movement, but he didn't come to start a movement. He came to heal the lost and the hurting. And he says this over and over again, I have come, my mission is to seek and save the lost. And yet, somehow, we managed to take seek and save the lost, which is about relationship, right? And turn it into all kinds of mess, and it's a lot like what I in my personal opinion and if and if this isn't you this morning hey that's that's great, everybody's got the right to a wrong opinion, right? My opinion is just as wrong as anybody, else, but here's the here's the reality. there are some people like me that Christmas isn't the big joyous time. I grew up not understanding what Christmas was about because it wasn't saved and and sang the songs. But I had no idea what that meant. And so Christmas was always filled with kind of an angst and a, a disappointment. And, and now that I'm saved, it's not about the packages and the presents and the lights and the tree. And the, I look at that, and quite honestly, it's just work. But it doesn't mean that it's not important. Because the, the reality is, so is Christian living. If we're truly going to follow Jesus Christ, it's work. And we've got to break out of this Sunday only, just do our minimum effort to be a Christian slash Christ follower. It's like like setting up your tree on Christmas Eve and taking it down on the 26th. Now, some of you are like, is that possible? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) but it's a lot of work we're going to talk about decorations. We're going to talk about different aspects of human Christmas. And, and we have to understand that Jesus came to, to build relationship. He came from heaven. And the amazing thing is that he came and he looked like us, but he didn't act like us. And that's sort of it. Yes, he ate and he slept and he drank and he walked along the roads, and yes, he wore clothes, but you know what's funny is that he didn't allow the mess of the world to rub off on him. He made choices, and yes, he was divine, but he was also 100% human. He was tempted, and he was tested, and, and he had that side of him as well, and just like you and I, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that you get to make choices too. You can say no to allowing that mess to rub off on you. Did you know that? Now, it's work. It's hard because it means that you've got to say no to some things and yes to some things. Just like with decoration. Some people, uh, my my little baby granddaughter, she loves Christmas lights. and We're driving around the neighborhoods and they don't have Christmas yet. Oh, they're Grinchy, right? But not everybody feels like decorating with Christmas lights. Not everybody feels like decorating. Sometimes you're not full of that joy and that, oh, I just can't wait. But it doesn't mean you reject Christ. But let me also say that through Christ, we are drawn into relationship with God the Father and that He has done something for us and in us that we cannot do, but we still need to be active partners. Instead of resisting Him and His efforts, we need to be able to say yes. Even when there's tension, even when it makes us grow, even when it's not comfortable because that's what he's trying to do. That's what he was doing with his disciples. That's what he's trying to do with us. And so uh, I just want to remind you what a, a decoration really is, because maybe you've gotten a little off task with that. And here's here's the definition of what decoration is. It's something added to or around an object to make it look more attractive. Now, how many of you have ever seen decorations that didn't make something look so attractive? <laughs> okay. Now, this is what I found, and this is the great part about who Christ is. Did you know that what makes things attractive is subjective to you? Right? How many of you have ever heard the phrase, love is blind? Do you have any idea of why we say that? <laughs> because sometimes we look past all the mess and see something that our heart wants, right? And some of us can look. I, I, I'm i not an art critic, uh, at all, because I don't get it. There's a lot of this stuff I look at, and they're like, ooh, look at this impressionistic piece. And I'm like, it looks like some drunk dude sprayed paint all over the canvas. <laughs> I can't appreciate it. I, Okay, it's art, you know. Um, but it's subjective, and somebody else is going to go, oh, my gosh, do you see the?" And they see what I can't see. Can I tell you that God sees in you what we can't see? And God's doing work in you that other people can't see deep on the inside because our outside stays about the same. Yeah, we start to, you know, we age and get wrinkles and sag and bag and drag and all those things that we do. But us on the outside is not as important as what's happening on the inside because regardless of your age, young, old, very old, in between, God wants to do a great work in you and He wants to make you a decoration. In fact, the, the Bible even uses the word ornaments, that we're the ornaments of God. Did you know that? And so our our goal is this is to make him attractive to the world. We're supposed to be the decorations. And, and I think that we're finally getting our, our minds wrapped around this. I think there was a time, especially the early church, that this was difficult, but there was something attractive about Jesus. People were drawn to him. And then people were drawn to the apostles because they did the things that Jesus did. But as we've moved away 2,000-plus years now, we're not doing what Jesus did. We're not living like Jesus lived. We're not saying what Jesus said. And most of the world does not find us attractive. In fact, they see the church, and especially Christianity, as off-putting, offensive, outdated, narrow-minded, and there's not much attraction at all. But I believe that we can turn that around if we'll remember what our job is. And our job is to be the decoration that makes Christ, Jesus, attractive to the world instead of blending in. Now think about that. If your salvation was based on how well you decorated your house for Christmas this year, what would you do? Would you say it's not worth it? Or would you buy every lights Walmart has (laughs) and do it up? And isn't it good to know, take any guilt off, right? It's not about decorating your house, but about making our lives attractive Pointing towards Christ instead of looking like the world. Because it's easy to see who's celebrating Christmas on the outside and who's not, right? You drive down the streets, you see the lights, you see the 500-yard blow-up things in the, in the yard, right? You see the Christmas tree in the window. And then you see the people that the houses are dark, no decorations. Now imagine how judgmental it is to say they hate Christmas. when it may not be the case at all. And the same with us we have to move past this Sunday-only bland blend in because God has called us. Did you know that? And that word called means that he draws us forward, like everybody's standing in a line, and he calls, and people step forward out of the crowd. That's what called means. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You step out of the crowd, and people notice. And so we're called to be that decoration. Here's what Isaiah says, and this is way back in the Old Testament. And he's, he's crying out, and this is what he's saying. This is the New Living Translation. He says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. Now, maybe you don't feel that this morning, but just understand that regardless of what's going on around you and how blue or, or lonely or whatever happens to you during Christmas or any other day, our joy is in Him and what He's done, not how you feel. Right? You can have a horrible Christian experience, and you're thinking, this is not the best time of the year for me, and yet have joy in the Lord because of what He's done and how He's loved you, how He's saved you, and He's set everything up for you. And so He just says, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. Look at this. For He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. Now right there, that's what brings the joy, right? Right? Maybe if you're having a hard time with joy, you need to go back to salvation. It doesn't mean get saved again, but you need to remember who you were before him. You need to remember how bad it was. You need to remember that you had no hope at any eternity other than pain, death, and torment. You need to remember that you were separated from him, and it was only through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of God giving him to us. And that should bring a level of joy of like, I didn't deserve that. I can't earn that, and I'm so thankful that He did that for me. He dresses us with the clothing of salvation, and He drapes me in a robe of righteousness. Look at this. Not only does He cancel the death sentence against us, He also gives us this beautiful garment of righteousness, which really means now you and I are in right standing. You and I are okay now. I see you as my precious child. I, I don't see your past. I don't see your mess. I don't see your your failures. I see a wonderful, beautiful child of God. I see somebody who looks like my son. That should bring us some joy. Because there's no way we can do that. We can't work hard enough. We can't keep enough of the laws. We can't do enough religious ceremonies. We just can't do it. Because it's like doing the Christmas competition, if we think of it that way, well, it's subjective. Who, I mean, how many lights do you have to put on and how many blow up things in the yard and how, how over the top do you have to be before somebody says, truly, that is the best Christmas? Because on one side, just hang on for a minute, because on one side, somebody would say, well, they're celebrating Christmas well, and on another side, somebody's saying, it sounds a lot like it's about them. And I think sometimes we can stray where we're making Christianity a lot more about us than being the decoration to point towards Him, to make Him and His ways more attractive. And I'm just going to get over the bumpy part right here. Some of you this morning, because of your lifestyles, you act like you're embarrassed of what Christ has done for you, you act like you're embarrassed to be known as a Christ follower. And I'm telling you, you've got nothing to be embarrassed about. It doesn't look like how other people are living, but I'm telling you, it is the best way to live. It is the abundant life. It is the life that is going to fill you with joy and not regret. It is the life that is going to fill you with friendships and not using relationships. It is the life that's going to point you in the best direction, and you won't be alone, and you won't be lonely, but it does mean there are some choices, and you've got to stop acting like you're part of a culture who doesn't care about you, except for what they get out of you. And it is only headed to one place, and it's all about them. And so, if you're the over-the-top Christian, hey, look at me, yeah, look at me. It's, it's no different than what we're going to celebrate next week. It's the it's the Christian version of the ugly sweater. Right? Everybody knows what you're celebrating, but nobody wants to wear that. I'll plug that in next week. Wear your Christmas, your ugly Christmas sweaters. Okay, I see some of you already started, and. Um, sorry. But church, listen, just this passage alone. He has saved us, and he has clothed us in righteousness. That is huge. That is the best gift we're ever going to get. And if he just stopped there it would be enough. And yet he goes on and on and on with his giftings and his power and his forgiveness and his love and his mercy. And he just keeps giving, giving, giving. And we sit here almost like, yeah, it's not enough. And we're embarrassed by that. And I'm telling you, you got to get over your embarrassment and decide if you want to follow Jesus Christ, or you're not being a decoration. You're actually being a hindrance. And I don't want you to be a hindrance. I want you to be a blessing to God and to others, but you've got to get over this. Oh, it's kind of weird. Yes, it's weird. But we see these people, I mean, if you ever watch football, you see these idiots at Green Bay and it's minus 30 degrees and they're out there with their big bellies bare and they've got it painted up with green and gold. Do you think they look different? Do you think they're embarrassed? In fact, the people around them are going, those are diehard fans. And yet we're like, I mean, think about this. You're not required to wear hair bonnets. You're not required to sell all your stuff and wear orange. You're not required to move to a commune. You're required to do what? Follow Jesus. And we say, I don't know, that's kind of embarrassing. But it shouldn't be. That's a flesh decision. That's what our inside that wants to keep control says. And yet he says, look at this. Think of this. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding. Think about that for just a minute. An important event. I am am dressed up. Not to dress up to go to church. It's not about the dress code. But he's giving us this imagery, right? That you're wearing your best because of what I'm doing. I'm engaged in a relationship, right? He's about to get married and he wants his bride to say, wow. Look at you. Or a bride with her jewels. She comes out stunning and ornate. And everybody goes, wow. Because in those moments, regardless of what everybody else thinks, that man chose her and that woman chose him. No matter what everybody else thinks, well, he's kind of dumpy looking. On that day, she looks the best. And on that day, he looks the best. And we decorate ourselves for that special event. And And again, I'm not telling you it's about a dress code on Sunday. It's far from that. But what he's asking us to do is to make it a decoration, to make following him special. We can't just blend in. We can't do it like we're living a non-believing life. Okay? Now, what I'm also not saying is you don't need a tricolor purple wig and a John 316 shirt that you wear everywhere you go. That's not the image that Jesus wants for us. He just expects us to be normal people that live a peculiar life. And by peculiar, it doesn't mean weird. It means set apart. He doesn't ask us to wear the special T-shirt. You don't have to put a fish on your car. You don't have to wear a chain that's got a gold cross on it. You don't have to listen to Caleb. What you need to do is love and follow Jesus Christ. That's what makes us the decorations. Now, here's what Romans tells us. It says that God knew his people, that's you and me, in advance. Now, some of your versions may say predestined, and don't get wrapped up in that word if you've heard predestination and all that stuff. We're not talking about a doctrine. We're talking about that God has seen the beginning from the end. He's eternal. He's already seen everything that's going to happen. That's why we read this book. He already tells us what's going to happen at the end of time before we get there. That's the same thing. So he's like, I've known you in advance, and he chose us to become what? Notice it doesn't say like the world or like everybody else or like the culture, whatever that culture may be. He has chosen us to become like his son. You want to know what his most precious possession is? Jesus. It's his firstborn. It's part of him. It's his most proudest moment. It's the everything of him that is brought down into human form. And he said, you know what? I've made it possible for you to be like him. But you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to be decorated? You're not going to be decorated. Are you going to be attractive? To Jesus are you going to be attractive to the world because when you're attractive to the world the world doesn't want what you've got no matter what you believe but when we're attractive to Jesus then the world notices and says oh there's something different they may not get it they may not understand they may not want it but they notice And our job is to bridge the gap, not be standoffish, not be flashy, not be showy, again, not the ugly sweater, but to be the person that draws people in, like I said at the beginning. When we lift him up and we make him our highest calling, it will draw people to him. And those people come to us. We point them to him. That's why church cannot be just a Sunday event because you meet people all the time and you can't just say, hey, hey, oh, I've got this awesome thing to tell you, but you've got to wait till Sunday. You've got an awesome thing to tell them right then, right there. You tell them exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you. You tell them how awesome he is. You tell them how wonderful he is. You tell them how you're following him. And no matter what stage that you're at, you won't be wrong because it's you. That's how great this story is, is you don't have to do some made-up thing and people, well, I don't even think that's true. All you have to do is tell him what he's done for you. That's a true story. His job is to make us look like his son. 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. And they're just normal people like you and I, but they're struggling with this because we have this tendency to want to default, right, to either it doesn't really matter or... Let's go extreme. We've got to follow all the rules. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus already fulfilled all the rules for us. Thank God. Because we can't keep them. We couldn't keep them from the beginning. Nobody can keep them. And He never really planned for us to keep them. He made the Ten Commandments so that we'd know how to relate to God and we'd know how to relate to other people in a closed environment. He didn't make this to be the be-all, do-all, but These things still help guide. I mean, not murdering people is a good thing, right? Wow. You guys are ramped for the holidays already. That was like that obvious void of any... Maybe I need to change my message. Um, Not sleeping with your neighbor's husband or wife. Those are good things, right? Not stealing from each other. Those are good things, right? Okay. But it wasn't about keeping those things because we would fail at other things on the inside, even if we tried to keep those laws on the outside. And that's why I say sometimes we resort to that in church Eons ago, it was about dress code. How you dressed, how you looked, how you walked, how you talked. Amen, brother. Yep, see you, sister. And That didn't make us any more holy. Holiness is not from the outside. Holiness is from the inside. A love for God is not shown by where you park, what you wear, what you're listening to. A love of Jesus Christ is born from a heart that's been saved, understanding that you are righteous before God, or you ain't. And if you have lost that joy, then I encourage you, go back to your first love. Go back to that salvation moment where you remember. Do you still remember where and when you got saved? To me, it was so ingrained. I remember exactly where I was. And I remember what it felt like. Maybe you forget that. And it's not about the emotions, but I'll tell you, to have that weight of guilt and shame and pain and mess lifted, be surrounded by a family of believers that were praying for me you can't replace that you can't replace it and if you don't have that experience today's a day that that could happen for you (laughs) but it means you got to make a choice because some of your choices again it's not some emotional drawn out yelling screaming snot bubbles at the altar thing But some of you, you still have not made that decision. You've come to church, and you believe that there's a Jesus, but you haven't thrown up your hands spiritually and figuratively and said, I surrender. You're still very much in control of your life, still doing what you want to do, when you want to do it with, whom you want to do it with, and you haven't surrendered your life. You just decided to be a better person, and that's not a Christian. That's just you 2.0, and it will fail. You need Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, guiding you, leading you, and making you more like Him. And He's the only one that can do it because without Him, we just make us a better version of us. And that's not worth it. That's just the show. This is what He says to that church that was just like us. All of us who have had the veil removed, that means you finally see that you need Christ. You finally realize that there is more to this life than just revolving around you. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Think about those shiny Christmas ornaments on a tree, the decorations that reflect all the light, that make it fuller, that make it brighter, that make it attractive. That's what he's saying, that when the veil is taken off, all of a sudden we see differently and we become part of those that shine the light out to people. We're not the light, but we are the reflectors of the light and the love of Jesus Christ. And we can see it and we reflect the glory of what? Of God. Not our achievements, not our education, not anything of human effort, but we reflect the glory of God. Then we can be content. We're like, thank God all the pressure's off. It's not about me. All I got to worry about is following Jesus. I don't have to worry about how fast they're going or how far ahead they are or who's behind me. I just worry about me following Jesus and I reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, right? He is three in one. He makes us more and more like him, and we are changed into his glory. Are you getting the hint that he's trying to change us? He's trying to make us into something, not like forcefully, but through the process. He actually uses that word, which means transformation, metamorphosis. It starts at one place, and it's a lifetime of him changing and working through us and becoming more and more like Him where He's like, ah, we got to stop doing that. Now, it's not all at once because He knows we can't handle that. That's the beauty of God. As He starts with some of those big things where we say, hey, you got to stop murdering people. Okay. <laughs> you got to stop lying to your boss and your wife and your kids. That's going to be difficult. Okay. And he starts this transformation that as the Holy Spirit begins to, what I call, check you, right? You feel that little, mm. You know it's wrong. You know you should have said something. You know you should have made a different decision. You knew it was the wrong decision before you even made the decision, but you made it anyway. Well, next time, how about you listen to the, the check and you don't make that decision, don't feel guilty about what happened in the past. Just let it be under forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and then try again, but this time try it his way. That's the change. That's the transformation of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's not all at once. We're not made perfect altogether. Well, the perfect work was done on the cross, but that's the spiritual side. Now it's us trying to figure out how to do it in our lives. He makes us more and more like Him not like the world, not like cultural values, not like pastor so-and-so, not like some denomination, not like some movement, but like Jesus. And that's the thing. If we'll just funnel it all into Jesus, it makes it so simple. It's not so confusing. Christianity will be attractive when we stop all the different distractions, just make it about Him. Then it's attractive. It's not about, hey, you've got to be like us and be part of our little commune group. It's not about a political movement. It's not about a rally. It's not, It's always has been about Jesus. And if we'll bring it back to that, that's a lot easier and a lot more attractive. it's not easy to make those decisions, but instead of being, well, well, which church do I align myself with? You align yourself with the followers of Jesus. No matter where they meet, where they go. And there are people that think that they're following Jesus, but they're following a pattern, they're following a religion, they're following a denomination, they're following and you ask silly questions like, where's Jesus in this? And they're like, shh, don't ask questions. Just run. (laughs) Because if we'll make it all about him, then it brings great unity, right? And when we say, what are you here for? I'm here to see if this church is going to meet my needs. And I want to make sure they, they got the cool music and the cool and the pastor with the skinny. You ain't never going to see this pastor wear skinny jeans. And if that's what you're following, you're falling way, way, way off course. We make it about him, and then we can all agree on that, can't we? And not my way of following him, but what the Bible says is the way of following him right? Because this is the same for all of us, whether you dial it up. And yes, it, the language may be a bit different, but guess what? The Spirit's going to point you to what it really means. And you don't let anybody convert that or pervert that or distract you from that. You stay true to what He has left us. This is our manual for how we're supposed to follow Him. And when it's in here, we do it. And when it isn't, then we've got to decide by our conscience. But that's why the Holy Spirit's there to say, Your conscience may not think that's wrong, but I'm telling you it's wrong, right? Because it's inside of us, whether you believe it or not. And, and, And I'll stop right here. Here's a little speed bump, not very bumpy at all. Some of you, the reason this is hard is because you keep the Holy Spirit out. You say you're following Jesus, but you don't need any of that Holy Spirit stuff. And I'm not talking about talking in tongues or doing weird stuff. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our mess and leads us into all truth. But if you're listening to somebody else and you're listening to this or that, because there's all kinds of doctrines and mess out there that says, hey, it's all okay. Or some that say, like, oh, everything's wrong. But there is also a Holy Spirit that knows you and knows your life and wants the best for you and what's the best in your life and wants you to be led by the Spirit. I'm just here to keep pointing you back to Him. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to be the compass holder that says this is... This is what leads us to Christ. I don't have a special way. That changes every day. But following Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, you just get up and you decide. Am I going to do what he says or am I not? And if you decided not, hey, grace kicks in. Because we do fail. But pretty soon, he he's very clear when he says, you keep resisting the Holy Spirit And I'll give you what you've been desiring, and then you wish you'd never had it. I don't want that for you. What He wants out of us at His speed for your life is to make you into this beautiful ornament, this beautiful decoration, like a tapestry that He's woven of different colors and different lives and different backgrounds and different things you've overcome and different triumphs and different everything, and it becomes beautiful in his hands as he works it and weaves it all together. Now we'll get to the heart of this, and that's in Colossians. Paul, again, is speaking. He's He sent out a letter to the, this little church in Colossae, and they're struggling. And again, most of the churches in the New Testament that we read about are just like us. They're just normal people trying to figure out how to do this thing. But he, he hits it right on the head here. He says, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. What's our goal? To become like Him. And that means, you think about it, you're going to put on a new nature your old nature full of all its lies and deceits and wants and mess and tragedies. And he's like, hey, everybody's got that. Everybody's a human that's got that stuff. But guess what? I'm going to give you a new nature. I'm going to overlay that pattern with something better. And as you get to know me, then you resist me less, and I'm going to help you look like Jesus. Here's my question this morning. Have you put on the new nature? Are you still doing what you're always doing, but you come to church? No guilt, right? We're all, we've all done it. Like I said, it's a decision. Now, the great part is this. I can't go through the list of everything that you may or may not be doing, but that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that we yield and say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything in my life that's, that's decorating me instead of you I'd like to know and then when he points it out right? I think about our ongoing jail ministry that we've had in this church and there's people that get ministered to week after week after week and they hear the gospel but when they get out they don't know how to do this I heard the gospel I got Jesus but their life doesn't change they go right back to the same crowd right back to the same activity and pretty soon They're right back there getting ministered to jail ministry again because they didn't put on the new nature, just like you and me. You can hear the gospel and not respond, just like this morning. You can hear what I'm saying and go, I agree with that. Now, I ain't changing anything, but I can agree with that. I'm sure you don't disagree that this is God's word. The question is, what will you do about it? That's the hard part. See, that's the making us like him part. Jesus had this awesome tenacity, I do what I see my Father doing. I go where I see my Father sending me. I listen and speak what God has told me to speak. He was tenacious with that. Every time they'd see who's authority, God's authority. You need a better authority than that? He never said, well, it's about me. I'm trying to brand myself. I'm trying to make a big difference. I'm trying to start a movement. I'm starting to, everybody's got to wear their Jesus T-shirts. And he didn't say any of that. He's like, I'm pointing everybody back to the Father. The Holy Spirit points everybody to Jesus. Jesus points everybody back to the Father. That's what it's all about. That if we'll put on that new nature, think about getting a new coat or uh, some piece of new clothing or new shoes and you put it on and, and you become renewed. These are new now. and Now, over time, they'll get old, but we get renewed that we become like God as we know Him and allow Him to work in our life. He goes on to say that since God... Chose you to be the holy people he loves. Now think about that. Do you see yourself that way this morning? Regardless of how you see or think you are, this is what he sees when he looks out. He looks out every time we have time to come together and he says, look at my kids. I love it when they come together like this. This This is what touches my heart. notice that he also says this, you must clothe yourself, right? And we know that. But notice what he's asked in the cloth. Now, I know you're smart. Everybody here, you're a smart crowd this morning, other than the don't murder thing. I, I got you, okay? Everybody can have a glitch. This is all inside. This is all inside being clothed, not outside being He doesn't say go get a suit. He doesn't say polish your shoes. None of that. See, that the religious people of the day were all about that. Wear bright white garments and big tall hats and we put the, the Ten Commandments in tiny scripts and we put them on our forehead to let everybody know that I'm thinking about God and His Word and it's this outward show. It's the ugly sweater. You know what he says? Put on a tender-hearted mercy. Kindness. Humility, gentleness, patience. You see, when we dress like that, we look like Jesus. Regardless of what you're wearing this morning, what's most important that you're wearing is the stuff on the inside. Because we'll see Jesus in you a lot more than we see Jesus on you. Right? Right? I don't know about you i met some people that were all dressed all prim and proper but some of them were mean some of them were ultra religious some of them are downright weird and they weren't that attractive to me to follow Jesus they were like ah, I think I don't want what you're buying or what you're selling and then I met people that were very unpretentious and humble and kind and gentle and full of the fruit of their spirit and I'm like I like that I want to hang with that person. That's the type of person I could have a relationship. That's the type of person that I could trust. That's the type of person that would love me when I mess up. That's the type of person that I think follows Christ well, and I think I could follow them following Christ. Thirteen, make allowance for each other's faults. Right there, if we just did that as a church, huh? Realize that nobody sitting next to you is perfect. Right? Nobody. Except for my wife, because nobody's sitting next to her. Nobody's perfect, and we have faults. We have failures. Forgive anyone who offends you. How about we just try that one? Remember the Lord forgave you, and you must forgive others. Look at this. These things we shouldn't have to... Be reminded of, but he reminds us because we have short memories. We're human beings. Verse fourteen, he finishes off the the outer garment, so to speak. Again, inside, not outside. But if you think about clothes, the overcoat, right? Above it all, or over it all, clothe yourself with not righteous fervor. Isn't that amazing? With love, not with radical indifference, not with separation from the world, not with a political agenda. Clothe yourself with love, which does what? Binds us all together in perfect harmony. You see, if we can love him and allow him to work on us, then I realize you're a work in progress and I'm a work in progress. And my goal isn't to judge whether your progress is on track. My goal is to say, God, I hope you keep working on me because I'm not there yet. And then I can overlook your mess and I can love you as a person regardless of where you're at in your journey. Regardless of how you're behaving or what you're believing right now, God will take care of all that. It's not our job to take care of all that. All we do is we get dressed in the morning. Okay, humility, that's a tough one. Patience, oh boy, right? gentleness, tender-hearted, mercy, kindness. And as we practice that, you'll look like a new person. That's what's amazing. Nothing here will have changed, but when you begin to put on this stuff, you'll look like a new person. That argumentative, grumpy, downward Negative, criticizing, cut people down, person. People are going to go. Something's gotten into you. What's going on? Or those that knew you in the past. Hey, man, remember when we used to? Now that that was a different me. I'm not like that anymore. And it doesn't always go the way you think, but again, our job is to give glory to Him, not receive glory from others. I remember when I went back to my 20-year reunion, uh, I never felt all that closely attached to all those people. And I had a few close friends in high school. By the time I was out, service, marriage, I hadn't seen anybody in 20 years. And I go back and I hear people are still, still arguing about who won the shot the scoring shot in the senior basketball game. I was like, dude, that's 20 years ago. But they're still talking about it. Some of them are still doing partying like they're still doing. Sure, the faces have changed a little bit, and people are remarried to other people and all that stuff. But then this couple that I wasn't even close to in high school talked to him and had a conversation. They found out I was a pastor, and asked me to do something really stupid. They asked if I would pray at the meal. And so you can imagine, because I was the opposite of Christian, when I get introduced and says, oh, Tony's a pastor now, and he's going to pray over our meal, it was like a pin would drop. Now, it makes it awkward, right? Because nobody rushed up and said, dude, I want to get saved too. I think it was more like, "That's weird. What happened to you?" <laughs> Which is exactly the point, right? You want what didn't happen to me? Who happened to me? And that's why I'm saying we got to get past this embarrassment, right? Because you probably wouldn't say that about your spouse. Man, I noticed you're dressing differently. What's gotten into you? Man, I met this woman, and she, it look at how you dress. She likes it, and that's all that matters. You wouldn't be like, yeah, I know, I'm kind of embarrassed to know her, and we're probably going to get married someday. It's going to be a lifelong thing. so I would hope that's not your relationship. He loves us exactly where you're at. You're not perfect yet. You're his craftsmanship. Think about that. He says that you are my craftsmanship. You are my hand-worked pieces of art, and I'm not done with you yet. Don't get down on yourself. Don't let anybody judge you. They don't see you like I see you. You just let me worry about that, and I'll make you into a beautiful decoration. That I love and reflects the glory of God, and maybe that's too simple for you, but for a knucklehead like me, that takes so much pressure off. I don't have to act a certain way, or perform or do this. it's the process of realizing oh I shouldn't have said that i'm I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me and teach me i I need to oh man, I didn't realize I was not supposed to do that okay. That's how we follow him. That's what makes it an individual loving process. Instead of this, pastor gets to decide what goes (laughs) and what's good. I don't get to decide at all. It's him that decides. It's just my job to remind us that he wants to transform us. Think about little kids making decorations, right? let's be honest you don't have to raise your hands or anything No, it won't put you on the spot but those little kids that are so proud you think they're three, four, five years old they make this little thing and you're like what do you think would happen if it's, oh my gosh do you not know the color it's outside the lines since when is black a Christmas color what's wrong with you I would hope you wouldn't do that if you are doing that stop But if we're God's children, and when we see somebody else's decoration, you know what we say? Same thing we do as loving parents and grandparents. Did you make that? That is awesome. Great job. Yeah. Hey, that little weird thing. That's me? Awesome. That's great. Oh, yeah. Right? Love, kindness, mercy, gentleness, humility. Right? Right? We are not here to point out everybody else's deficits. We're not here to worry about that. Our job is to follow Jesus Christ and reflect his glory. And we're all in a different path. We're all in a different variable shade of that. And the great news is when he comes back, we'll all be perfected. But not until then. Until then, we're working it out. And if somebody's been harsh and critical to you, you've got to just shake it off and just realize God loves me and he thinks I'm reflecting his glory. But also, if you haven't put on the new nature and you're still doing all that mess you did before you got saved, you need to make an adjustment. It's not okay. It's not reflecting His glory. It's actually doing the opposite. It's the ugly sweater effect. No matter what you do on Sunday, no matter what size or how big a Bible you carry, you're putting people off instead of attracting them to Jesus Christ. Just be a normal follower of Jesus and you'll be a beautiful decoration. Would you stand up with me this morning? Two questions before we go so that we can pray. Because part of this process of being changed is that we have to be willing. Doesn't mean we like it. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable. But we have to be able to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the first question. What kind of a follower are you? Are you you the non-decorated, embarrassed by Christ, trying to blend in, keep your head down, just hoping a lot for His grace, follower? Or are you the person that is being transformed and following Him as best as you can? Following Jesus, not a church, not a movement, not a political agenda the following Jesus, to reflect His glory. Is that what you're all about? Are you just trying to check a box or are you trying to reflect His glory? And I'm sure there's places in between, but I leave that to you, right? And if you're someone that says, you forgot about the, I'm still in the process, right, just like all of us, right? But this is where i got to do my part and say if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ, Today's the day to do that. There's no need to wait till tomorrow. It's not going to get easier tomorrow. It's not going to get better tomorrow. The pressure's not going to be released. He's not going to be kinder and gentler. Uh, The world's not going to be changed that much. There's no more moment to be waiting for. If you're waiting for a sign, this is the sign. Here's your sign. The sign is, I'm telling you, it's your sign. And if you don't know if you've asked Jesus into your life, then I'm going to suggest that maybe you haven't. Not attending church, didn't ask that. Not raising a Christian home, didn't ask that. Not listening to Caleb, didn't ask that. Did you say with your mouth, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. I need to be transformed and turned into your glory. If you haven't done that, then there's nothing keeping you from doing that this morning except for pride, which is a sin. So if that's you this morning, you don't even have to come forward. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to bow your head. Just pray right now with me. I'll help you with this, right? Here we go. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner that needs your grace. I've never surrendered, but I want to today. Help me reflect the glory of God as I follow you. I receive it by faith this morning, no matter how I feel, no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what anybody else says. I'm going to believe that you have forgiven me and saved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how hard was that? And you may be saying, I was expecting something more. This is faith, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's dramatic, and sometimes it's not. But there's also some this morning that you need to start putting on the new nature. You've been doing your old stuff. Maybe you didn't even know. I said, there's no guilt this morning, no condemnation. I'm not calling you out. I'm just telling you, letting you know. If you've been doing what you've always been doing, it's time to put on a new nature. And that starts with the process. That starts with the decision. All right? So I want to pray for you this morning, and we're going to get out of here, Lord. I didn't even know we were supposed to change I thought we were just supposed to attend but I've been doing stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing God would you guide me and lead me out of this stuff so that I might be a beautiful decoration that reflects your glory God give me that new nature that I heard about kindness, gentleness humility humility tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Help me to put on love, love for you and love for everybody else, regardless of what they've done or where they've been, what they believe or how they behave, all that mess. I just want to love you and I want to love other people. God, I ask you to help me with this new nature. Start the process in me. In Jesus' name, amen.